Welcome to church today. My name is Ken. I'm our youth pastor here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I'm looking around just to make sure. Okay, so he's not in the room. I started sharing about Pastor Chip last service, thinking that he wasn't going to be here this morning, and he was sitting on the back row. So, uh, But I, I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to speak to you this morning because uh, Pastor Chip is on vacation and uh, today, and or staycation, or whatever he's calling it. Uh, but uh, uh, he... Uh, uh, we are allotted a, a certain number of days off by the Church of the Nazarene as pastors, and, and Chip got to the end of his year and realized he hadn't come close to taking the amount of days off that he was supposed to have. And so um, he's taken the day off, and, and I just wanted to communicate with you that uh, uh, you all know Pastor Chip is a man who, who loves you all and, and works very hard here at the church, and, uh, and we need to just be constantly praying for him and uh, hoping that the asking God to help give him the um, just the energy and uh, the uh, um, just insight and vision for our church that he needs because um, we, we always hear in pastoral conferences and classes and things we go to uh, that the, the people of the congregation can never be stronger than the leader of the congregation uh, and for us that's Pastor Chip uh, but I also mentioned him because uh, there has been uh, all the stuff that everybody else is dealing with, uh, the flu, stomach stuff. That's been going through their family, and they've been falling down like dominoes, unfortunately, at Pastor Chip's house. Uh, and I was told even this morning that uh, Keegan got it now. So they, are, they had to delay. They did have plans to go out of town. They weren't able to do that. Um, so we, uh, we're going to just take a moment real quick here, and we're going to pray for Pastor Chip, both as our leader, as our pastor, but also for their family who just one by one continually to, continues to fall like dominoes due to all the illness that's going around. So let's just take a moment and pray for Chip this morning. Dear God, we just thank you uh, for our church, and we thank you for the pastor of our church, and we thank you for Pastor Chip. And we just pray this morning that uh, you would continue just to... Uh, uh, bless him with, with vision and insight for our church, but also give him the, the, the rest that he needs to, in order to do what you've called him to do. Uh, and also this morning, dear God, we pray for uh, just his family as they continue to, to battle the, 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 the flu that's been going around, and, and we just pray that um, you would help make them well, um, and that you would help uh, to remove that from their home, and uh, just be with them today, we pray. It's your name that we, we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, this morning, before I jump in, there's a, uh, something else I wanted to, to mention to you specifically. Uh, uh, this Wednesday night, we have a really special opportunity. We noticed uh, that we have two needs as a, as a church. That One of them, Pastor Chip pointed out last week, we have the need for uh, community within our church. And because of the way that our, our um, Sunday mornings flow and, and different things, the size of our church, it's really difficult to get together for church meals. Uh, because we don't, uh, we don't have the time. Uh, if you come for first service, uh, there's a good chance you're not going to be here for a meal that would happen maybe after second service. We don't have the space to set up for it, all that kind of thing. Uh, and so we don't often have the opportunity as a church to gather around a table 
together. But then also we've noticed that on Wednesday nights we have students both uh, in the youth group and in the children's department that are coming straight from either a practice at school or, or they're coming from a home where they just don't get dinner before they come to church. And then all we have to give them when they get here is candy and bags of chips, and that's not always the healthiest of, of dinner choices for them. And so uh, we came up with an idea to hopefully meet both of these things uh, head on. And that is one, once a month on Wednesday nights, we're going to start out by having uh, what, uh, what candy is called soup supper. And it's going to be in the youth room. It's going to start at 5.30 and go to 6.30. Uh, we're just going to be providing a meal for our church we want this to be an opportunity for you all to get together, to be able to eat. It's come and go. You don't have to, to go and, and sit and stay for the whole time. If you want to show up and eat right away and then head out or you want to come towards the end, that's fine. Um, but uh, then we also are going to use this to help uh, feed those kids that come in that don't get to eat before they come. And, and I've seen this happen at, at other churches that I've, I've, I've been at before, and I've seen it go really well, and I've seen it go really poorly. And the, the thing that was the difference between the two is that in one situation, the church just came and like, it was the, one of the events on their calendar each week that they used to come and have fellowship with one another, get to know each other, uh, get, to, get to chat, meet new people, see faces that they don't often get to see. Um, and and they, they owned it. They met the students. They met the kids. It was great. The, the time where I saw it fail was when people thought, well, that's just a kid and youth thing. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let them do it. I'm going to stay home uh, or I'm going to eat before I come or, or whatnot. And, and then when it was just left to the, the children and the youth, it, it eventually kind of phased out. And so I'm just want, I just want you to know you are all invited to be a part of that. Uh, come and go. We're going to have just soups in a crock pot. You're going to come in, just grab a bowl of soup, sit down, uh, eat with your family, eat with uh, friends that you see there, uh, make new friends, uh, all those kinds of things. But we, uh, we want to use this as an opportunity uh, to kind of handle both of those things. And so you just want you to know uh, that you're invited to that this week. And it's going to be the last Sunday or last Wednesday night of each month. Uh, so this upcoming Wednesday will be the first one. This morning, we're going to continue uh, with our series called Reset. And uh, we've been going through, this is going to be our fifth and final week of this series, uh, but we started out uh, week one talking about resetting uh, our heart. And, and before we even talked about resetting our heart, we talked about, you know, reset is a, is, a, is a good thing. And we're here at the beginning of the year, first month of the year. Um, this is the time that we naturally talk about uh, resetting or, or starting over or, or beginning a new uh, an initiative to change something a, about us. Um, we, uh, we all kind of have those natural moments in our life, and, and the beginning of the year uh, is one of those times. And so we've been going through this series, and we're talking about uh, the fact that, you know, it is good to, to be reset every once in a while in our own spiritual life. Just like we do, we reset uh, computer programs and they crash, or we reset the, the device itself, or uh, if we have any Nintendo people in the room, when, when you, in the olden days with the Super Nintendo, you had to pop the game out, you had to blow in it, and then you had to put it back in, right? But then the game stopped glitching, and you were fine for a good another, uh, you know, few hours of, of play. And, and uh, we are the same way. There are, there are times where uh, after operating and after, after going for so long, we need to be reset. And so we talked week one about resetting our heart. And we're not talking necessarily about the, the organ that's inside of our body, the heart, but we're talking about our soul, the center of who we are, where we make all of our decisions 
Uh, we, we want that to be open to hearing what God has to say. And, and Scripture gives us a few examples of, of people who, who had either had their hearts hardened or hardened their own hearts on their own towards God, and they couldn't hear from God, and they couldn't, they couldn't listen to instruction from God. And, and, and maybe, maybe you're not full-on hard-hearted this morning, but maybe you become numb to a few things, and, and you've needed God uh, to, to speak to you. Uh, and so um, we, we learned that we, we, we want to make our hearts uh, available to God so that he can, he can speak to us, he can hear us and use us. Uh, then the next week we talked about resetting our faith. Um, we, Pastor Chip that week shared that um, we live in a world where we have to see it in order to believe it. However, faith works the exact opposite. With faith, uh, we have faith so that then we can see. Uh, we have faith in a God um, who loves and creates, who, who created us, uh, and when we have that faith and that's firmly established, then we can see him at work around us. And then uh, after that, we talked about resetting our identity. And we talked about the fact that there's labels all over the place. We can't ex- escape labels. And, and labels do describe us to a certain degree, but they don't define us. What defines us is our relationship with Christ. And uh, once we allow that to be the definition of who we are, then, then, label, then different labels can be made to then describe who we are. Um, and so that was resetting our, our identity. And then last week, Pastor Chip shared with us about resetting our community. We were not made, we were not designed to be alone. We were not designed to be in isolation. Uh, we are designed to be in a community, a body of believers. Um, and so uh, uh, continually, we encourage you uh, to take advantage of that. We have small groups that are just starting to meet here at the beginning of the year. If you're not a part of one, we'd love to have you be a part of one. We'd love to talk with you about becoming a part of one. Uh, And so we need to reset our community at some point. Uh, But then this week, uh, we're going to move on. And and again, we're not talking about necessarily something just brand new, revolutionary to you. You've probably have heard lots of messages preached on what we're going to talk about today. Uh, But hopefully um, we can just, again, use this maybe, if it's not a a complete reset, maybe it's a refresher on on what it is uh, to have God reset our witness. Um, and, and before I jump into this, I, I will say, like, we, we've shared this truth each week. We need help uh, outside of ourselves to make this reset happen. When I was in college, uh, I was a senior in college. I was in systematic theology, one, and we were taking our final right before Christmas, and uh, we had our, the final was an essay final, and we had to come in, and we had to answer 10 questions, full page, no, uh, no, single space, uh, and it was just on a bunch of different subjects, but we had to come in and do that in two hours in the classroom and then turn it in, and that was our final. And uh, one, uh, one lady that was in the class asked the professor, uh, instead of going into the bookstore and getting that, like, blue book that they created with, like, stapled together in the back with construction paper and then college rule paper in the middle to write all the stuff out in that they called test books, uh, they, the lady asked, well, could we bring our computers and type this out? It will go much faster. And the professor's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with it as long as, you know, we make, take some certain precautions and, and do all that. We'll be, we'll be fine. Bring your computers to class and we'll do that. So I came to class with my, uh, my white plastic MacBook and sat down and opened up, started taking the finals on the very last question, answering something about creation. And I was on the last paragraph when all of a sudden I got the spinning wheel of doom. 
Right? Any Mac users in the room knows the spinning wheel of doom. If you're a PC user, it's usually like the hourglass that pops up, and you can't do anything, and then all of a sudden, it's shut down. The computer just completely shut down. And I was like, what in the world just happened? And I turn it back, I got the computer to turn itself back on, opened up Word, it was gone. All my whole final was gone. I had 45 minutes uh, to, to uh, fill this, this whole test back out, answer these questions, um, and, and turn it back in. I, ha I don't even remember to this day what I turned in, uh, but whatever, it worked. But what I learned that day is when, when the device itself tries to reset itself and tries to fix itself, often it fails because when I took that device to the IT department, what they found out was the battery was bad and it had some mechanism inside of it that if it got to a certain, I think it was a certain temperature, whatever, the, the computer would just shut off just to preserve itself. Well, when it shuts off, it, it damages other things, the programs that are running, different things, and it didn't fix the problem. And so often when you and I, we try to reset ourselves by ourselves, uh, we don't fix the problem. It usually then creeps back up. We need help from outside. We need the IT person to come in, change the battery out, give us a, a kind of a, a fresh start with that computer, and we can go on. And, and so that's what we're talking about in this series. And so today we're talking about your witness. And to, to kind of give you just a, a definition, there's a lot of definitions you can look up of witness, and you've probably heard a lot uh, in, in your uh, in your lifetime, but for to this morning, what we're talking about when we talk about witness, we're talking about our influence, or specifically for our conversation, our Christian influence. Um, it, it's amazing, and, and I've told you this before, I, I, I completed a master's program not that long ago, and it was over strategic leadership, had to take a lot of business classes, and they talk about influence in business a lot. No longer do we live in a day and an age where a title guarantees that people will give you respect and listen to what you have to say. It has to be earned, and the way you earn it is with your influence. And maybe there have been times in, in the past in the, the church's history where because we're, a part of, because we're in the church, because we're a part of the church, when we, when we talk, people listen. But no longer, I, I, I would say, if that, if that place and time ever did exist, no longer are we there. We have, to, we have to earn the right to share God into people's life. And that comes from influence. Now, uh, the, we're going to talk about reset in three ways for our, for our witness this morning. We're going to talk about the fact that maybe we just need to understand and reset our role as witnesses. We're going to talk about resetting our actions, and then we're going to talk about resetting our words. Um, and starting out with our, with our role, our role as being a witness. We're going to ask God to reset just our understanding. Um, so, so often, uh, it, it's really easy to get kind of going and get sidetracked with, you know, what, what is my role as a witness in, uh, in this, um, well, not only our community of faith, but in the world around us. And what we learn from Scripture is that we really don't have a choice. If we're a follower of God, we are called to be a witness of God in the world around us. In the, the very beginning of Acts uh, when Jesus is about ready to ascend into heaven and he's meeting with his, his followers for, for one last time, he says uh, that you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Um, and so he sends them out. Jesus sent out his disciples very early on in, in their relationship together to, to, to take the message of Jesus out into the world, the story of the kingdom. And then uh, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, 
says to um, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the very ends of the age. We're called to go out, and we could talk and share scripture about going out this entire morning. It's, it's all over uh, the, the message of Jesus. In the New Testament, we can read constantly about going out and sharing uh, about Jesus with those around us, and that's what we're called to do. There is no other option as a follower of Jesus. We are witnesses. Um, and because, because that is what we're called to do, um, when we fail to do that, or, or when we think, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the best at sharing my faith, uh, so I'm going to kind of let somebody else kind of take over that. Um, I'm talking about just the passage of the Great Commission there in Matthew. Um, I, was, I was a young, a youth pastor already, but I was still in college, and I was at, at a church in, in Norman, Oklahoma, and uh, we had just talked about the Great Commission. We talked with the students there about going out into, uh, in, into the, the world, into some dark places, and, and sharing the news, because that's what we're called to do as Jesus followers. Um, she, this mom kind of met me in the office after it was over. She was very concerned. See, our, our youth group, which had uh, traditionally, before I, I had gotten there, it was, a, it was a, a youth group full of kids who attended the church with their families. And just because they had graduated, they'd grown up and moved on, um, they, uh, they uh, were not, um, the, the youth group had taken on a much different look to it. All of a sudden, we had a lot of kids that were coming in on their own because they knew somebody else, and they, they were coming in and attending. They, they came from broken homes. Um, Norman, Oklahoma is in no way, shape, or form uh, an urban population, uh, but we encountered a lot of the same things as though it was. Uh, and and I, could, I, could, I could and probably should write a book at some point in time about what I experienced with the youth group there in Norman, Oklahoma, but uh, a lot of things that, that clued me into the lives in which our students came from. And this, this mother came in, and she was concerned not only about the students that we had coming to the church uh, and their influence on her, her children, but also the fact that I was telling our kids to, to go out into the world. And, and it's probably one of the most frustrating conversations that I've had uh, at this point in time as a pastor was with that, with, was with that mother. Uh, and, and I understood her heart, where she was coming from. She was worried about, worried about her kids and the, the, the people who are having, going to have influence on her kids. And, and that, and in no way, shape, or form, is, is wrong to, to think through those things and worry about those things as a parent. Um, but the, the phrase that she, she told me that, that hurt me the most probably was that, I'm pretty sure the Great Commission was not given to children. And I just sat and I thought, and I was like, man, that is, that, there's no age limit. I, didn't, I never once saw Jesus give an age limit to the, the Great Commission. We're all called to go out. We're all called to be witnesses of Jesus. We're all called uh, to, um, to take that message into our places of the world, whether we're, if we're students at a school, we're taking it into the hallways of the school. If we're a worker at a job, we're taking the message of Jesus with us, with us to that job. We're, we're having conversations uh, with people. We're, we're displaying the love of Jesus to people. Uh, and we're called to be witnesses of the good news that we have. And in order to do that, it takes two things. It takes actions and it, and it takes words. And we're going to look uh, at this this idea in, in action form uh, here uh, as we turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. 
And as you're flipping there, uh, if, you're, if you're new uh, to uh, the church in general, maybe you're watching on, on Facebook and, and you haven't been around church all that much, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. It is a book that we consider the gospel, uh, one of the Gospels. It's one of the, the four books of the Bible that tells us about Jesus. And it also, um, uh, it, it, it's a storybook. It records the life uh, of Jesus uh, in story format. And so we often look to the Gospels uh, to know certain things about Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 5, we find uh, the beginning of the, the only sermon— that the Bible actually records as a sermon that Jesus preached. Now, obviously, Jesus preached more than just one sermon while he was on, the, on earth, but this is the one that actually recorded as an official sermon. And uh, shortly into it, in verses 13, in verse 13, we start out with this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, the, the original audience of this, of this passage uh, were, were Jews that lived near um, the Sea of Galilee in the kind of the northern part of, uh, of, um, of Israel. And the, the people that were hearing Jesus use these two illustrations, salt and light, knew exactly what Jesus was referring to. And we're going to start with salt this morning. Uh, salt now has tons of uses. I looked it up this week, um, and I saw tons of articles that talked about the, the, the 35 best uses of salt. And each one, I looked at multiple ones of those, and each one of them had different uses for salt. So there's obviously more than 35 uh, we, we, have, we use salt for a lot of different things. We use it, uh, obviously, to, to season food, but we also uh, we use it to melt ice and snow on our walks. We put it in our water to soften it. We do, we do a lot of different things with salt. But back in Jesus' day, salt had one real main purpose, uh, and that was, to stop, uh, that was to stop decay uh, and, and deterioration, okay? They use salt uh, specifically as fishermen. You know, when you watch like videos of, of fishermen now when they pull the nets up out of the water and they take the fish and they put them uh, in, a, in a container on the boat, it's usually ice that's in there. And the ice keeps the fish at a certain temperature so it doesn't spoil uh, before they would get it to where it needs to go, before they could freeze it and do other things with it. Well, back in Jesus' day, ice didn't exist there, and so they had to use salt. Salt was used to preserve the fish from the moment they, they got it out of the water to the moment it got sold and got put on a table somewhere. Um, and salt uh, was, was something that uh, uh, they, they used a lot just for that. It was, it, was a, it was for preservation. And Jesus is telling his followers that they are the salt of the earth, that their job is to stop decay. Their job is to preserve. Well, what are they preserving? Well, to find that out, we look back at the, at the, the passage that came just before this one, and, and I'm not, you could, you, like whole sermon series are written on the passage that's just before this, is the Beatitudes. And uh, if you've grown up in church or around very much, and you, you've read your Bible, you know that that is a very important passage, a very important message that Jesus shares. Uh, but briefly, he just talks about, he, he's outlining, outlining the kingdom that he's come to establish. 
And he's talking about the residents inside that kingdom. And in there, he, he reveals that, that things are, are not as the rest of the world is. The power in that kingdom lies with um, the, the poor and the meek and those who are mourning and sad. Those who, those who don't have power in this world have power in the kingdom. And then he says um, that, uh, the, that uh, the inhabitants of this kingdom were to be peacemakers, were to hunger and were to thirst for righteousness. We are, we are supposed to be people that live to a, a, a certain standard. We live a certain way. And then if we do that correctly, if we live that certain way correctly, then God tells, or Jesus tells us in that passage that persecution will come. But because, it, because persecution comes, because we are living a certain way, then in this kingdom we are going to be blessed because of it. And by living this way, by, by adopting the way of this kingdom out in the world around us, we are going to then influence that world by how we live, by how we act, by what we do. We are going to influence the world around us. And by influencing the world around us, we are going to become like the salt that he was talking about. But instead of stopping decay and, and, and preserving meat, we're going to be stopping the advancement of sin in the world. And we're going to be preserving creation as God made it and intended it to be from the very beginning. And so our actions are so important as a Christian. When we go out into the world and, and we, are, we are adopting the ways of, of God and his kingdom and we're going out and, and just merely by our actions, um, living the way that God designed us for us to live in this kingdom, we will influence those around us. And persecution may come from it, but guess what? God tells us it, it's coming but we're going to be blessed because of it. Maybe it may not, most likely won't happen here, uh, but we're promised a better place. And so actions, uh, actions are very important. And there's a, there's a quote that I'm going to share with you. Um, it was attributed to some people, and then in other places it was anonymous. So just to, just to not give credit in the wrong place, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this as an anonymous quote. But uh, witness at all times, and when necessary, use words. People watch us all the time, and if they, if they know at all that you are a believer or that you claim to be a believer, they watch you even closer. And there are times where we unfortunately slip up and we mess up, and our influence is then damaged. And Jesus highlights that too when he talks about salt losing its saltiness. When salt loses its ability to preserve food and to stop decay, it actually becomes the exact opposite. Salt then can become almost poisonous. And the only thing that they could do with salt back in that day that, that uh, no longer served its purpose or its function was to throw it out to the road. Because in the road, nothing grew there anyway. It could be trampled down into the ground, and it wouldn't kill, because it would kill vegetation if they, they threw it there. Um, it, would, uh, it, it could be poisonous, poisonous to humans or animals if it got into food. So the only thing they could do with it was to put it out in the road and just let it be trampled down into the dirt. When you and I, when we, when we um, fall short of the kingdom standards out in the world around us, we can do the exact opposite of what we're called to do. Um, at, the, at the very beginning of the song, What If I Stumble, a group called DC Talk wrote this back in the 90s. And uh, 
they, they put this line at the very beginning of the song. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk right out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. We can become that, that poisonous salt that's lost its saltiness when we go out into the world and we fail. We, we, we talk a certain way maybe on Sunday. Maybe we even talk that way on Monday through Saturday, but when we go out and our actions don't line up with what we do, we do damage to the kingdom. And sin, we actually speed up the decay and we speed up um, just the, the, uh, the, the destruction of sin in the world when we fail to meet God's standards. But the good news is we serve a God who can correct that. This, Satan wants nothing more than for us to mess up and then for us to just get stuck in it. Satan wants nothing more than for people who can go out into the world and be the salt and be the light to the world he wants nothing more than for us to believe the lie that once we mess up, we've ruined it and we're done. Unlike salt, who they just have to throw out in the road because it's done, we actually serve a God who can reset us, who can renew us, who can restore us. And, and uh, as we're told in, in Scripture in 1 John, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So there's hope when we mess up. So unlike salt, that's where we differ. Once we mess up, Satan wants us to listen to the lie. Well, you've messed up. Nobody will believe you anymore. Your, your influence is over. But we serve a God who can restore the influence. And actually, you know what? When we come back from mess-ups, our witness often is even stronger than it was before because then all of a sudden people can see in us how God has taken us and 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 forgiven us, and healed us, and allowed us the ability to move on. So if that's you this morning, and you need God to reset your actions, there's so much hope for you that's available, because not only will God forgive you and reset you, but he'll also enhance your influence to those around you once they're able to see the work that he's done in you. And the other illustration that, that Jesus gave us in this passage is light. And the word that's, the Greek word that uh, is used here for light is actually a word that's more like the reflection of light. Um, lighthouses at this point in time are still relatively new. Uh, they didn't come into existence in, in history until about 5 BC. But it's this, this, it, this is the illustration that Jesus is giving, that there's something there that's reflecting a light that's being shown on it that then is going out into the world and making dark places safer. And Jesus... Um, it's telling us that when, when we light lights in our home, we don't, we don't like set it down in the corner off to the side where it, it's only going to light up a certain, a certain area. Uh, we put it in the, in the place in the room where it's going to illuminate the most. We put it in dark places that then can become light places. And so often, um, especially as, as Christians, uh, it's, it's a lot easier to stay in the light places, right? It's a lot easier for us uh, to kind of be like the candles up, up front here. Uh, you can see they are giving off some light. However, uh, they're in a, they're a well-lit room, and they're not providing much light uh, in this room because light, bigger lights are already on, already going. Um, it's really easy, and, and we've been talking about 
community and discipleship and, and being a part of groups. And, and this is not to take away from any of that. That is needed. That is important. We want you to be a part of small groups and be in community here at the church. However, we're called to be the light in dark places. And if the, if the light just stays in light places, we're not serving the purpose God intended for us to, to serve. We're not going into the places, the, the hard places. We're not going into um, the, the, the places that are comfortable and that are easy. We're going into places that need light. And we're called to go into those places and reflect the love of Jesus in those places and to those people. And some of you say, I know exactly where those places are in my life. I work there. Or um, maybe you say, well, I've, my neighborhood is there. Or I have a group of friends that are there. Um, that's where the dark place exists. For some of you, you may not be aware of where the dark places are. And maybe what God needs to reset in you is that um, maybe you need to find the dark places that are close to you, that are around you. Um, Maybe you, need to, maybe you need God to open your eyes to certain people maybe you even already interact with that you're just unaware. Oh, they don't know the hope and, the, and, and the, the good news about Jesus. They don't have that hope and that salvation that we have. Maybe God needs to reset that for you today. Um, but then the last thing that uh, we, we need help with, see, we talked about our actions are, are, are definitely important uh, in our witness, but at some point we do get to a point where words are absolutely and 100% necessary. And we were talking with the teens about this this week, um, that, uh, that our stories are important to share. What God has done for us is important uh, to share. And uh, there's a number of reasons why we don't share what God has done for us, or uh, what God has, ha, we've seen God do in the world around us. Uh, sometimes it makes us sound weird, right? Uh, well, the, there goes that person, they're, they're talking about, you know, mystical things again. We, we, we have convinced ourselves that, um, uh, that the, the people around us just don't want to hear what we have to say. Uh, we, uh, we think, well, maybe I don't know enough. Like, what if they ask me a question I don't have the answer to? This was, this was where I was going all the way through, uh, through high school. Uh, I was always convinced there was just one other thing that I didn't know. And so rather than opening up my mouth and starting to talk about Jesus, they're going to ask me that question. I'm just, I'm just going to stay silent. Because I'll, I'll do better if I don't open my mouth than if I do open my mouth. Uh, what, what we ultimately ended up to talking about with our students this week and what I want to end with talking with you about, um, it, it, it all boils down to just one simple word, and that's reason. In First uh, Peter chapter 3, uh, we read this, But in your heart, uh, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. When we just focus on the reason, why we're here, why we're doing what we're doing, uh, and we use that to then go out into the world and talk about God, it's a lot easier. We don't, all of a sudden, those worries, those fears, those things, they, they slip away because we're talking about something we know. It's part of, it's our story. It's what happened to us. We don't have to have everything figured out. Uh, it's it's kind of like a, Somebody going on, uh, somebody uh, having a relative go visit 
the Grand Canyon. And while they're there at the Grand Canyon, they get a lot of the, 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 the paperwork, the pamphlets and all those things. They bring them back to you, they give it to you, and then you go to work and tell everybody about the Grand Canyon based off of these pamphlets and just the information that you have. Well, it's probably going to sound pretty dry. However, if you were to yourself go visit the Grand Canyon and you were to see it with your own eyes, see the magnitude of it, see the, see the things that those pamphlets talked about, experience it, go, go riding, riding on a, a, like a donkey down to the bottom. I don't know all the things you can do at the Grand Canyon, but that's one of the things I've heard about. Like you can have this camping experience. You can do all these different things with this and you can interact with it. Then when you come back and when you share about it, it's something that's much different. You've experienced this. This is something that's been a change uh, in, in your life, this, just seeing this natural wonder. For so many of us, we've forgotten about the reason why we're here, why we're sitting in church on a, on a Sunday morning, why we're a part of a small group, why we're a part of a youth group, why we're a part of a Sunday school class, why we stand here and we worship and we sing. It's just maybe it's become routine for us. Maybe it's just become something that um, that's just a part of our schedule. It's Sunday. It's time to go to church. It's just what we do. And we never, we, we failed to connect it with the fact that at one point there was a God who created you that reached out to you and said in some way, shape, or form that I love you and that I want to live in your heart. And I want to forgive you for the things that you've done. Maybe that happened in a moment of crisis for you. Maybe that happened in a time of celebration for you. Maybe, uh, maybe you're like me. I was six years old and I, and I went to an altar in Tabor, Iowa, which is in the middle of nowhere. They had a family camp meeting there that my parents took us to every year. And one year there was a lady there that used puppets to tell, uh, to tell me that God wanted to be my friend. And I can tell you as the youngest of five boys in a family and, uh, being one of like the only overweight ones amongst the bunch, I got picked on an awful lot and I needed to know that I had a friend and Jesus wanted to be that for me and I was there and I went forward and I asked God into my heart that day and my life has not been the same since. And God has continued to show me and it, how he loves me and in different ways, my story has a lot of a lot of cool things to share. And when I just stick to my story, when I stick to what God has done for me, I can talk about that. I'm not scared of no one answers and things I don't have. Those things all, they just fade away. And you and you are just like me this morning. You have a reason for being here. And when we go out into the world and we get the opportunity to share that story, that reason, then all of a sudden talking about God is just telling, telling people about our story because God's a part of that story. And we're called to do this. We are called to be witnesses. We're called to go into dark places and to talk about Jesus. And this morning, maybe for you, the reset is, God, remind me of that reason. Remind me of what you've done in my life so that I can go out and share that with other people so that they too can join up with your story and have a story of their own. And we can stop the advance of sin and decay in our world around us. Sarah's going to play for us and sing for us here in just a second. And uh, I just invite you, use this time to let God connect, make that reconnection in your, in your life. Remember when God first reached out to you, what that felt like, what he did for you, and how and who in your life right now could benefit from hearing about that today. And if I told you my story
thank you for being a God who, who reaches lost people. And at one point, each one of us, uh, we were lost and we were searching. And dear God, I, I pray that, uh, I pray this morning that we can remember the found moment when you found us, when you reached us, when you changed our heart. And, and as, we, we, as we reflect on that and that, that meaningful moment for us, uh, how can we use that moment to go out into our world, into dark places, and to reflect your light and your love to them? Dear God, I, I, I know that uh, you're, a, you're an all-powerful God. You, you could have done this a different way. You didn't have to depend upon humans to carry this this burden of going into dark places and sharing about you. Uh, but for whatever reason, you chose to use us. And dear God, I, I pray that this morning we wouldn't take that lightly. That uh, the obligation that we have as a follower of you to share what you've done in our lives to people who don't yet know you. And dear God, I pray this week that you would place people in our path people who don't know you, people who need to hear from you, whether it's through our actions and how we care for that person, whether it's through our words that we share with that person, I pray that we would be witnesses for you this week. And dear God, if there's any way or any part of us that needs reset this morning, please do so. Dear God, we thank you that you're a God who loves us. And dear God, this morning we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. You are dismissed.